हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म टू ब्रिंग कॉन्वर्सेशंस विद कथकर्स अक्रॉस द ग्लोब सो हाय वर्षा हाउ आर यू I'm good Pramit namaste lovely to be talking to you yeah likewise and uh, I'd like to thank Cynthia Vijay Kumar Cynthia ji for like recommending me to you and following up with me on that so we can get this done and talk to you so varsha i guess yeah this is my 82nd episode and uh, well i heard word around the street is that you built your own studio with your own hands so wanted to know how that works well <laughs> Yes I had a studio I still have a studio in Bangalore and um that is a very lovely studio uh, of course in closed in a room in a, a nice studio space uh, beautiful students and slowly I moved out of Bangalore I uh, moved to Goa and um right outside this house this guest house that I live in there was this beautiful piece of land and one day I woke up and I saw this and i thought why not create a space uh, you know to to maybe just for my riyas uh, make a beautiful space out here it's right by the river and a kilometer walk from the beach so very airy well lit space and i spoke to my owner and i said um, hey i have this in mind can i build a studio she just looked at me and she said yeah why not so you know everything just fell into place i can't say it was a difficult um it wasn't difficult everything was as in it just came into it came in so naturally um right from building doing the flooring to the roof the ceiling so it's an open space i have just covered it with uh, malmal cotton fabric it's it's this really soft fabric curtains all around and uh, traditional red oxide flooring so this really helps in keeping the space cool okay and it's 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 recommended for a tropical warm place um this idea came into me because um you know in kerala we are from uh, in kerala or most of the south indian places i've noticed that they use this flooring uh, uh, sorry Can I go back? Yeah. So there's this. Yeah. Yeah. So my grandparents' place had this red oxide flooring, and it's made of um, cement, and you just mix it with the red oxide. Okay. And red oxide is a powder that you get, and it's just it it's it just gives you such a beautiful aesthetic uh, appeal. It is simple, and it's also um, sustainable. Okay. So um, that really appealed to me, and I'm like, yes, I'm going to get red oxide flooring, and then. Um, the the beauty of it was i was there with the masons getting things done slowly step by step uh, from getting the mirrors to the curtains and also like buying these cool plants to hang around and creepers um so it's it's very airy it's well lit and everything i've used in the studio is recycled and um uh, yeah i think more than this i think what's very important is the energy of the place so of the place uh, usually i just walk into the studio with my incense sticks walk in set the aura play some really meditative music uh, start with a small uh, warm up stretch yoga and then get to my riyas 
And uh, what I, I have built in um, Goa, Kalagram Gurukul, intends to um, help children to understand our culture and be more bound to it. So the students who come to me, who learn dance from me, are from mixed backgrounds. Uh, they're mostly kids. Uh, there are, of course, there are local children who they don't speak English or Hindi. In fact, they're, they speak Konkani and Marathi. So there are kids from the local background, as well as children from Russian mothers and Indian parents. So that's, it's all over. So culturally, um, they're not aware of even how to dress or, you know, how to stand, walk, sit. So I think I start from there. You know, learning starts from there, from just... Um, their basic personality. So it's an overall, it's a holistic school where they learn dance, definitely. We're not time bound. Um, the classes go on maybe for an hour or two and even more. They come spend a lot of time at the studio. There's a lot of this, this space around for them to play. We paint. Um, sometimes theory classes, the bowl padan, then uh, storytelling, Abhinaya classes. We, I do it mostly outdoor by the river. Um, so this is how the structure is. We don't have a particular structure, but this, the, the classes are, um, they just come there and spend a lot of time, you know, just living in the space. And yeah, speaking about the energy of the place, I, I think it's very important um, as much as being there and constructing, I think it's every dancer's dream to have their own space, right? Like, or at least a space to teach or perform. Uh, for me, this was definitely one of my very big dreams come true. And I can't say that it was uh, difficult because I think it's it just manifested as as I thought, you know, it everything happened so soon. I think I built the studio in, in two, three weeks. I think two and a half weeks I was complete. So every day went by just collecting materials from here and there, meeting people, associating with the mason, spending time with him, mixing the cement and putting it together. Like everything was done with these two bare hands and the happiness of just entering the space and feeling the earth and dancing. Uh, I don't know. I think th that really inspires me. And um, so that's why it's very, very important for me that I, it's been a milestone. Yeah, a milestone that it was. Definitely. Yeah, cement mixing is no joke that this kind of pretty heavy material <laughs> on that. And yeah. you, you talked about manifestation. So uh, like when you were building out the studio, what were like the things you wanted there? What were your non-negotiables? What did you want to have there or didn't want to have there? I just wanted to know your thoughts on that. So um, I wanted this really amazing mirror, okay? <laughs> it's an antique piece, um, beautiful mirror. I thought of this in my mind and I'm like, I don't have the budget for it, but I think I will get this soon. And uh, should I work on it? Because all this was um, made from scratch, right? So I, want, I didn't want to buy anything. I didn't want to buy anything. So I didn't, I just recycled, there were some, there were red oxide powder, like oxide powder was there, cement was left over and there were red bricks laying around. When you say leftover, how, how did you get enough material to build out your whole space? I'm very curious about this. There was a construction going on on the opposite side. <laughs> they had completed their work and there was a lot of cement left over. So even the idea, the concept of this, so it was mostly like, you know, like, conceiving like having a child you know I was just thinking about it sat through the entire process looked at things around me and that's where manifestation was just just thinking about how I want the space to be and when it came out 
I was extremely happy because it just turned out the way I wanted it to be. Understood. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's that's <laughs> really cool. And so you talked. Uh, so the next thing I want to talk about is, I guess one more thing I was interested. The, the curtains. Is it like does it give you privacy or is it like people can see while you're dancing and stuff? How does it work? As another thing I forgot to inform you is Before. that. Um, so. It's a small space. It's uh -huh. not a huge studio as such. It's a small space. And the space I've covered it with, I can't stand mosquitoes. And I don't think anybody can. I, so, I have not heard of a single person who says I love mosquitoes. Exactly. Yet. So I covered it with this really, the, with the mosquito net, which looks like lace. You know, it's oh. this really fabric. So it looks like lace. And as the sun, like uh, sun sets, you can see the, you know, the light, light passes through one thing because it's like lace. And it's just a mosquito net. So I built the four corners and covered it entirely with lace. That is mosquito net. And then covered it with the curtains. So definitely people from outside cannot see. Uh, curtains are closed. But uh, also there's no people. It's just in a, in a field, you know. It's in an open field. There's, there's just trees and plants and everything around. And um, yeah. So there is, it's, it's just there. If we need leave the mosquito net i velcroed it also yes i stitched the velcro on the um on the net <laughs> oh okay got it that's really cool so i guess have you always been like a do-it-yourself kind of person learning things as you go and just being self-reliant yeah. that way that how did you yes, figure I all this out i um i love creating new things i love working with um um a lot with plants with just using my hand to do things, I guess, painting, uh, making jewelry, anything. I think it's very meditative for me, uh, just as dance is. Dance is like active meditation. Where you're completely involved, just completely involved in yourself and not thinking about anything else for that moment. Right. Unless you're like learning a new choreography and you're thinking of the movements. Yes. But after the movement and seeps into your body, you're just moving like flowing through you're just concentrating on your breathing and isn't that what meditation is about so guess, yeah like even while making jewelry i think i'm fully there doing things not thinking about the outside world okay and, um it was a very meditative process for me to build this studio huh okay so you make your own jewelry you do I your own choreographies of course you mix your own semen <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's really cool Varsha. and uh, so you coming to your students you said that uh, your students speak marathi konkani and maybe russian uh, mm -hmm. do you speak any of those languages and if not how do you go get past that i don't speak even hindi is like so and so so okay. um, how does it work i didn't face any challenges as such because i just Dance is a language on its own. Mm -hmm. When they walk into the studio and I start speaking and I understand that they don't get a few words, but with my actions and my expression and the way I speak, I think everything is just conveyed. Interesting. You know, it's also like how our body responds to certain emotions. Okay. Like think about it when you're angry, you don't need to know the language to see that, oh, this person is angry and that's what he's saying. How does your body respond? You know, what is she trying to say when she means like stand upright? Do I have to say keep your spine erect or just show it to them, observe or, you know, watch by learning? 
so these things i think um, most of it the little ones definitely observe they they kind of grasp things really fast okay but, um yeah so the language has been uh, a little bit difficult when i train older children when they're mm-hmm. like um they want they want to know more details and then i i try to sit with them try try to use a translator and you know work things out but when they come for my classes i think this is just so it's very free flowing and i haven't really you know it hasn't like an obstacle it's just there you just don't speak english and hindi so what you know uh they dance they can move they can respond to what i'm saying so it's not in a very like your studio is not in a very public area and things like that so how do your students find you or how do you find them like so uh when i moved to goa i uh-huh. uh, reached out to this local community right. i didn't directly with them i just went to a temple one day and um i saw that they had a wonderful auditorium and this was during the peak lockdown okay so everything was closed but this temple premises was huge we couldn't enter the temple but outside there was this beautiful stage and i was like so excited to just go there and move you know and i really missed performing so i went there i went up on stage started dancing did a small shloka i came out and somebody saw me and said um uh, would you like to teach here like i've seen you dancing and uh, um uh, would you like to teach here and i'm like yeah why not that'll be amazing so i started off by offering free classes for um for the local children who could not afford to learn dance they were mostly from low socio economic status like you know most of them even lost their houses during a cyclone that was that happened in goa 2 3 months before this was right before oh. the monsoon monsoon okay. time so um i was like very very thrilled and i'm like yes i'm totally up for it uh, let's do this and and we fixed the date and a time and to my surprise there were close to 20 children who came in that day yeah 20 kids who came in and um there on were the many, first day on the first day wow. it, it was almost like they were just waiting to you know come out of their homes and just exp- experience something new and especially kathak i think in the in the part of goa that i live in in north goa uh, there are not many kathak dancers i think i can safely say yes there are not many kathak dancers and um, most of them are learning bharatnatyam few of my students who are learning from me they know bharatnatyam but kathak not so many so i just put up this beautiful flex and you know out, outside the temple with my phone number saying kathak classes offered that's it i didn't get any calls most of i got one or two calls and i was even okay to meet five children if there were like five kids okay fine but mm-hmm. to my surprise there were around 20 children who came in and i had to um you know say no to five kids almost because they were lesser than 5 years old oh. and um i think it's difficult to train a train uh, students who are really young kids yeah so um so i started started with very basics footwork and i saw that they all had the sense of rhythm which made it even more easy for me it was easy they could catch up to um tatkar the basics okay. and um Ganesh Chaturthi was the festival was in in a in one month. Okay. And I thought I would do a small performance here at this temple for these children, and I started training them. So from the start, the training went on to just learning a small piece of uh, Ganesh Chaturthi. So they did a shloka, 
and some of the elder students, the adults did a full set of dance as well. So in a month, I trained 20 kids to get on stage. Uh, I'm sorry, 15 children, because five, I said, yeah. That so makes sense. 15 to get on stage and perform alongside. Like I, I did a performance as well. And it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful event because the entire community came together and um, just to see their children up there, you know, dancing, it was, it was really, really beautiful. Even I felt really accomplished as a dancer that day to train these children and to see their enthusiasm. And uh, I must say that a lot of my dance colleagues, my friends and my family helped me um, by, you know, we gave them, I bought gungurus for them. For all 15 um, students? Yes. Wow. Even for the corporate. It was all a funded show. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, so that was a that was really beautiful. Yeah, congratulations on pulling that off. And I think what's really impressive is the fifteen students who were there on the day one were also there with you a month later. So yes. yeah, great job on that. And since you talked about the students having a rhythm already, what that suggests to me that that Goa or not Goa might have like a huge music culture itself, or like there's a lot of music out there. And that kind of informs my next question in the sense, you know, the rest of us who aren't in Goa usually think of Goa as a tourist destination. Now that you're more of a local, could you give us a sense of like, say, the cult the culture of the Goan locals and how it translates to music and dance and the arts in general? Definitely. My roots are from Kerala, so mm -hmm. it's along this coastal uh, region. And I found a, found a lot of similarities speaking from the vegetation the tropical weather and everything. And even the culture, culturally, there are some similarities with Kerala. For example, they eat in a uh, plantain leaf as well. So, um, and culture wise, they have a lot of folk dances in Goa. So I was invited for one of the programs after I performed at Ganesh Chaturthi. So it was a 10 day event, it's a very big event in Goa. So one of the days were Kalagan performed. The other days, there were these local dance teams who came in. And to my surprise, I saw that um, there were a lot of similarities between the folk dances performed in Goa and Kerala. In Kerala, there's this Kaigotikali, where they dance in a circle and they um, place a lamp in the center and they, the ladies usually wear a off-white off sari and perform. And mostly it has Kaigotikali means clapping hands and dancing. So very similar dance form I saw in Goa, where the women are singing the song here. I think it's a local, um, I'm not really sure of what they call this dance form, but it's very similar to the art dance form I've seen in Kerala. So they clap, they sing the song and they dance, they dance around in, in a circle. With, and from a, age group of 15 to 55, you know, women, yeah, just mixed crowd and uh, so, yes, I saw similarities in dance in, um, in this and also food. They all, uh, Goans also cook with coconut milk, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Goan food, uh, the culture, very similar to where I've come from. So it's, it, yeah, it was nice. It was nice to see. Okay. So it's kind of like just home for you in a way, I guess. In a way, yes. I see. And so coming to the next thing, like when you talk about what you're teaching your students, could you tell us a little bit about how you teach them, say, storytelling and how that translates to how they learn it? 
I ask them what they want to learn. Most of the time, most of the time I have a structure. I don't usually have a structured class, no. Definitely I plan for the class in advance, but depending on the energy, how the, how the kids are feeling, this one routine that I have made compulsory, every time they walk into the Gurukul, they all come to the space and we meditate for 10 minutes. That's for 10 minutes, okay? 10 minutes, most of the kids five minutes and then they're there, but the others just sit, <laughs> they sit, yes. <laughs> sit, get into the mood, get into the energy. And then I see, okay, if it's if they're distracted, if today's meditation didn't last for more than three minutes, I know, okay, what I should do with them. You know, then I'll get into uh, maybe Nrutta, where the focus exactly, yeah, this is where I would like to speak about how doing basic footwork in Kathak, the Tatkar, increases the focus and concentration of a student. I have seen so many examples. I've seen so many of my students come into class with a completely distracted mind and I play the layer and I say, okay, let's start Tatkar. And they start doing their footwork. And by the third, fourth minute, they're fully there concentrating to catch the rhythm. And then their outside world, their distraction, whatever, everything just comes to standstill and they're there completely with me. From there, I take the class forward and most of the days when, um, not most of the days, once a week we have storytelling and yeah, sorry, I deviated from the topic. So, Varshadi, you are the topic, so there is no deviation here. Okay. So about storytelling, yes, we have certain activities. Okay. I love to have activities and games with the kids. So there's this one activity we do where we, uh, where it's called show and tell. Instead of telling, we use dance gestures, hand mudras, facial expressions. So um, instead of speaking. So uh, recently I had one of the session where a child brought the Nataraja. So we had a Nataraja in the studio. She said, today I didn't bring anything from home. So here you go. This is a Nataraja. I'm going to speak about Lord Shiva. I said, okay, go ahead. So she started imitating how Shiva standing, what he's holding on his right hand, the Damaru you know, and his um, hasta lifting his left leg up. So she started imitating the Nataraja. So from there, I built on of um, how we can proceed with the storytelling. It started with what each mudra, what the mudra means, what does this mean? What is the entire, uh, what is Shiva, what is Shiva standing on? The dwarf that indicate, what does he wrap around his jata? Ganga flows, you know, so from there, each and, each and everything that they observe around them builds on to a story. That's one example. Another example is about what they see around them. I say, okay, what do you see around you? Some children say there are trees and creepers. And then I mentioned there's a river nearby. How do you show a river in, with actions and without saying? How do you show the ocean? So ocean, a big wave into tiny or creepers blooming fish as as simple as this whatever they see around them and i think uh, it's very important for them to uh, like you know seek or even not only for the students even as a dancer for me to get inspiration from from nature from things because everything is constantly moving you know, everything around you, the water, the wind. Uh, so this is how the storytelling builds on in, in, in the classes. Uh, 
yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Just to say, on, on this note, since you're talking about nature and uh, like things moving, I was wondering, like, since do you ever like, have you ever done any pieces or like, do you do anything with the rain? If it like rains there, do you stay inside or do you use that as part of your like expression? I would definitely dance, dance out there, dance in the rain. I did do a production, but this is, um, it's very different. Okay. Uh, I use side trance music. What is that? Okay. Side trance music. It's a genre of music. Okay. It's electronic music, um, and it it it's almost in about one fifty, one sixty beats per minute. So okay, that's pretty really, fast. <laughs> it's really fast. It's called side trance, and um, I used this music, and I thought there were some kathak bowls in it. Okay, and um, I thought, yeah, this is a great piece. I really want to work on this, and I want to challenge myself if I can do footwork and movements in this in this speed. So I selected a music from a very well-known sitrans artist. His um, highlight tribe. I've seen them live perform. Uh, so I selected their uh, track after listening to one of their live performances, like being part of one of their live performance. I thought I must try something out. So um, I was in Gokarna at this time. Oh. And, um, it was during the monsoon, cloudy weather, no lighting whatsoever, extremely windy, impossible to shoot in the drone. <laughs> but I wanted to use the drone, of course, some shots in the drone. Um, it didn't stop me. I said, let's do this. So waited for some, waited for some time um, when, when it wasn't raining heavily, but when they, it was, there was slight drizzle, I still danced, but you can make out when the video came out, I wasn't even in the state to release it because the lighting was really bad, uh -huh. but whatsoever the, the, the effort I put in and also the idea and the concept, I just wanted to put it out there. You know, it doesn't matter. Let me just do this. Let me finish the post-production. Let me finish the editing and just put it out there. So yes, I did shoot a small video uh, mm -hmm. while it was raining and I released it. I called it Prayana, which means journey. And um, yeah, so that, that was a journey. <laughs> so where can people, if people want to watch it, where should they go? My YouTube channel. Okay. It's, uh, yeah. Varsha Kathak Kalagram. Varsha Kathak Kalagram. Okay. Understood. Yeah. And since you talked about like shooting with a drone, so, you know, usually all the cameras are on this plane, the drone adds another access to it. So does that change the way or have you kind of experimented with how you can like use that to dance differently also, or how does that, just a question about that, very curious. Definitely. Um, I try to make my movements more louder, more, um, for example, depending on the audience, your movements have to change. For example, if an expressions, okay, this is what I believe. If it's a more closed space, uh, I would like to do it in a more subtle manner, you know, like keep my vision more close to connect with this closed space. So if it's a wider audience, your expressions are wider, it's louder, your movements are wider, louder, as, uh, um, as I said. In a drone, while shooting with a drone, I also understood that in, if, if the drone is shooting from right above your head, right? And it needs, if you do small, subtle movements just around this area, it doesn't capture. So the movements become wider. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, thank you for that example. That clears it up. And um, 
the next thing I want to ask you is about, say, the benefits of dance. Like when it comes to say you or your like, and you're teaching your students, what have you? How have you found their personalities changing, or how does it benefit them in terms of like life? I guess definitely. Um, I think to be a dancer, it's not only the aspect of dance that's important. Not only training them. Uh, training doesn't start from tate tables. Training starts from molding them into the personality of a dancer. Okay. You know, how to carry yourself out with more confidence. How to be more graceful and just just imbibing using dance in your everyday life. Mm. You know, like uh, this is how I train my students. Okay. Walk into my studio, I can see some of them have the most, most awkward way of walking and coming and sitting and you know like yes, it's just there, out there. And then I understand okay, this is where I have to start. I don't, I don't like directly tell them. Okay. I, th- as I mentioned, most of the thing happens through imitation. Right. Imitation of how I'm sitting. Okay. How am I speaking? Am I really loud and out there? Am mm-hmm. I, I can hear you. You're sitting right in front of me. How do we speak in a more subtle, right. soft manner? When we dance, we not only dance, we also express ourselves. Okay. So for some, for some people, expression can be in the form of words. They can very easily bring things out in words and convey their feelings and speak out what they're feeling. But for most people, uh, it's difficult to put their feelings into words, right? And dance has this beautiful way of bringing out your inner self. Huh. When you dance without your knowledge or unconsciously, there are these micro movements that suggest the personality of a person. Okay? When they walk into a class, the restlessness of their feet or, um, or you know, movements being very closed shows that the person is an introvert, not entirely, but also over the years, over the years with my experience, I've been able to identify this uh, in uh, certain students. And also I've been able to correct them in a manner where they've really, where it has helped them become better persons today. I can see, and with feedback from the parents, there are a lot of children who came into class and they were introverted. They couldn't mingle with children in their school, uh, participate in events, group activities. They had no friends. After joining the classes and after one or two years today, there's this one student who's the head girl. Oh, you know, So there has been a lot of uh, improvement in talk about the confidence, their self-esteem, mm-hmm. focus, concentration, and overall just self-love. You know, it promotes, it facilitates you to just understand yourself better and also to just fall in love with your body, just fall in love with who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, when I teach them the basic regular hasta, mm-hmm. I say, look at your hands, mm-hmm. love your fingers, you know, love your wrist. And with that comes the feeling of love, which is obviously your hand, your finger, the time you spend on your body, eventually enhancing your state of mind. So this is how dance and psychology is connected. And it's a beautiful journey. I am a psychologist. And I did my master's in counseling psychology. Right. And I never intended to become a dance teacher per se. I was a performer. I'm right. still a performer. Uh-huh. And as I started teaching, yep. I realized that I am using my skills of psychology in my classes every single day. I see. 
uh, every single day some children want to talk to me after the class they stay back okay about um their life or sometimes just spend some time yeah you know and uh that itself is healing when you just have someone to listen to you it's mm-hmm. really, uh, i see i really like what you said about loving your ring- fingers and wrists that's a really profound thought and since your background in psychology and counseling and you know you want to when you when it comes to your kids you want to be you want to listen to them be empathetic listen to their stories but how do you draw the line between say being empathetic being someone who cares and being their therapist per se like how do you draw the line or where do you figure out where to you know those boundaries i guess so um i have this very subtle way of uh ending a conversation when i feel it's going beyond uh for example as a therapist we'd usually say you have 5 minutes left and you know we can speak a little more just right. just mention that there is oh, you have this much time that's okay. why they say that okay that makes sense okay <laughs> so as a dancer as a dancer i would say i would definitely um there is a very thin boundary because i think i it's just uh, it's just me and uh, people open up very easily in front of me and i i've seen that i've experienced that i just need to be there sometimes i don't even tell them i'm a psychologist and just like start pouring and you know like one after the other this happened that happened and very subtle very very um in a very subtle manner i think i know how to end the conversation and move out of it Yes, there is a boundary drawn there with my students. Understood, understood. Thanks for explaining the boundary. And Varsha, uh, I remember that when we did our first conversation, there was an event you were doing right around that time. What was that? I I meant to ask you a question about that. Yes. So it was a retreat that okay. I was planning. Yeah. So okay. it was a dance and yoga retreat. Uh, I called it Samudra. Okay. I can speak a bit about it definitely. So uh, the Samudra dance and yoga retreat was. organized in kalagram gurukul in goa okay uh, it was a three night four day event mm-hmm. um there were participants from all over and due to this covid um, most of the students who were traveling from bangalore and and uh, kerala they couldn't make it and uh, it was difficult but there were local children and also not not children adults around who inquired about the retreat and showed up so it was a residential retreat uh it happened for as a, yeah it was a three night four day event okay. where they came came over they lived in the space we have a guest house at kalagram uh, gurukul okay. so the students came there they lived with me for three days huh. we danced we spoke we uh, we uh, went to the beach for sunsets dance there so it was just dance 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 breathing in dance breathing out dance and and with break time they would um, go back to their room rest come back it was definitely structured early morning we would do yoga lunch and then evening we had um, a small talk uh-huh. and the last day we had a small performance yeah okay where they just yeah. uh, showed up and every it was like a jam people could just come and dance perform and and leave So yes, the Samudra dance retreat. I'm planning another one. Oh, uh, in the month of uh, end of March actually. End so, of March. So is there something you do differently, knowing what you did in the first one? 
Yeah, definitely. This was a more local thing where people from nearby places came in. Uh-huh. And uh, most of them, there were just two or three of them who lived in the area. Okay. But uh, others traveled from uh, from distances half an hour. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, this time I definitely want to reach out to people outside Goa. Okay. So that the idea is to just understand and just be in this tranquil environment. You know, it doesn't make a difference for people living in Goa, coming, staying in Goa. Okay. And, you know, experiencing that yeah. in the space. I really want to focus on uh, my online students, of course, and people similar who are who are techies, who are working, who are yeah. in a metropolitan city, who has a who have a busy lifestyle, who just need time for themselves I to see. come to the space, just be there, just experience uh, Kalagram as a place, or just experience being there, you know. Um, uh, and I think a lot of healing can happen to mm. just move. Just moving and living in a serene environment. So, Varsha, like you have all these people coming from different age groups, backgrounds, you know, like mobilities, dance experience. How do you accommodate all of that to give everyone a good experience in these three, four days? Or very curious about that. So, I would definitely, since this uh, workshop, this retreat that I'm planning yeah. is for dancers. Um, I would be expecting these um, participants to have at least two years of dancing experience. Got you. Okay, so they will have a background in dance. And at the end of three, four days, they will be learning a choreography. Okay. Very so cool. that's so coming from different backgrounds. Definitely, I think uh, mostly adults would make it because um, it becomes too much for children to travel and then accommodating their parents and you know, and also oh, yeah. the inquiry is mostly adults. And the background really doesn't matter. I think once they come into the space, they just fall into the energy of the space. Oh. And, okay. and you're just there in that frequency. It's just naturally blending in. I, I'm sure it happens. Very yeah. cool. And, uh, and so when is that event? Like you're saying end of March? End of March. Okay. Understood. Yeah. And coming to my next question, so since you said you're a performer, I would love to know, like, I know this is a tough question, like, what, what would you say is your most memorable performance? And if you have any anecdote to share from there. And yeah, as you said, it's a very difficult question. I don't know. Um... It can be a top two to three also. It doesn't have to be your most. Like, if you want to pick a few and talk about them, that's fine too. I love dancing in, in temples. I hmm. might say before. There is something about it. There is something about dancing in a shrine where there is so much uh, energy. There's so much, there's so much in that space and you feel it just as you enter and you're on stage and, and you lose yourself. Some places make me feel like this. One of the places Hampi and I danced in the Hampi Utsav and dancing for that festival. I could, I can imagine, I, even today when I think about it, I'm reliving that moment, you know, yeah. when there's, Set, and then it was a full moon so I see the sunset and the moon rise and then there's an open stage people no people doesn't matter just just the beauty of dancing open air and the and the vibrations of the temple I think that would be one of the most memorable one of the most memorable performances coming to my final question I'd love to know your thoughts on like since you are 
very like self-reliant you do your own things you go out and make it happen create your own studio what tips would you give to someone who wants to become say more of like a dancer who has a freedom of expression more self-reliant doesn't need to go for others for approval and things like that what tips would you give them i think the most important thing is to be really really comfortable with who you are just love yourself think of everything as as beautiful as it is and manifest it into reality with just one single pure thought it's all out there don't confuse it with many other things that comes right over go with the first thought your first instinct and that's the right one and i think reality would just unfold itself so beautifully in front of you and um very very important to love yourself yeah very important to love yourself yeah that's a great thought and yeah varsha to come to the end of this i think reflecting on it i think you do i love the positivity with it you speak and you know you think you just taking a pause and thinking about what you want to say it shows that you really thinking about the answers itself uh your your tips on i think the examples you gave were really practical and it's really easy to see and uh, yeah i would just love to say like really enjoy talking to you awesome prama thank you so much it's been amazing and uh i'm not as you know i i thought it would be i as i said i thought it would be a little bit difficult for me but i think i'll do more podcasts i'm all up for it oh yeah for sure <laughs> You, you have a good so knack much. for it. You should definitely do more. <laughs>